Turn in your Bibles to the scripture reading that was just uh, read. Let's get those Bibles out and get them working. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and 26 through 31 will be our base text this morning. I will tell you, go ahead and tell you that we will be going to the book of Genesis this morning just in a moment. Also the first Samuel and then we will be in the book of Acts in the very beginning of our lesson this morning. We, I've been trying to start this series ever since the 1st of January. Uh, things did not allow it to begin. Uh, and I, today is the first lesson in it. A better me and you in 22. First topic. Anger. I'm so mad at you that I could pinch your head off. How many times have we said that to our kids? <laughs> or anybody else? I'm so mad I could spit nails. I'm so mad I could kill you. We could go on and on and on, couldn't we? With different things that people say. I'm so mad. You ever just been so mad that you just wanted, wanted to throw a fit? I ain't talking about when you was a kid. I'm talking about when you was an adult. <laughs> I'm talking about right now. It's your age. You are right now. You ever just want to go, <laughs> I do that sometimes when I'm by myself. Uh... And be careful doing it in the car at a red light. Because they will call 911 on you. But I'm so angry. We live in a world... Now, we've had a lot of uh, lessons here lately. And Brother Gossett had one about our speech and those things that we refer to these, these uh, same scriptures on. But anger. We are in a society that is angry. They're angry. They've got a lot to be angry at, I guess we could say. Now, there are, let me say this on the onset, there are some things that we as Christians need to be angry at. I agree. Do you agree with that? Okay. We are some things that we need to agree, that we need to be angry on. And Paul writes here in the book of Ephesians, and notice what he says. You know, I always tell my kids <clears throat> at school that I deal with that have anger issues, I always tell them, I said, and you're see their faces, and I say, it's okay to get mad. It's okay to be angry. And they're like, what? But where the problem comes in is what they do or what we do when we get angry. Or what we say. Now Paul writes, he says, to be angry and sin not. He's saying it's okay to be angry, but don't sin. And see, that's where we miss the boat. It says, let not your sun go down, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither, because if you do, he's warning you, he says, neither give place to the devil 
He says that the devil is waiting at your doorstep. When you allow anger to simmer and boil and continue to go on, he says the devil is waiting at your door. And then he goes on and he, I guess, I, why the Holy Spirit got him to put this in here? Talking about stealing. No steal, no more. With labor, working with his hands. And then he goes on. He says, he addresses the speech. Let not corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Things that come out of your mouth need to be for the good or the edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And he says, in all of this, he says, in your anger, in your curse speech, in your whatever, in the things you do, don't grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Whereby you are in whom you are sealed as the day of redemption. And then he gives us another one. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and what? Anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then he says, to fix that, he said, you need to be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, at the core of some of the ugliest scenes in the Bible lies anger. When you go to the book of Genesis in chapter 4, in verses 3 through 8, we know the story well, Cain and Abel. It says, in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had no respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now you know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. <clears throat> you go into the book of 1 Samuel. And here we see in 1 Samuel chapter 18. And this is right after, right after David had killed Goliath. And in first, uh, chapter 18 of 1 Samuel and in verses uh, 7 through 9, says the women answered or sang one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands and Saul was very wroth. He was angry and the saying displeased him and he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands and unto me they have ascribed but thousands. What can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Now go to your New Testaments in Acts chapter 7. <laughs> and in Acts chapter 7, 
in verses 54 through 60. As Stephen preached the sermon telling these Jews that they had murdered the Messiah and had called them names and said, you're this and that, and takes them through their history of rebellion to God. And notice in verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Cain killed his brother because he was angry about how pleasing his brother's sacrifice was to God. Saul's anger was kindled towards David and it made him jealous and suspicious of David. And the Jewish council, the, the Sanhedrin there in Acts 7, their anger towards Stephen's sermon prompted them to stone him. Do you see the connection? The common thread that weaves all this together was what? It was anger, wasn't it? Anger is at the root of a lot of problems in our lives today. Again, we live in very angry times. Many are angry about a lot of things that's going on in the world. Their frustration. They even came up with a new word years ago, road rage. <laughs> road rage. Oh, well, I always call it getting behind the slow train. It'll never fail when I need to be somewhere. I get behind somebody driving the speed limit. Somebody who's this, I don't know, out on a Sunday drive. <laughs> but you know, others are so uncontrolled in their anger that they physically assault others. We've been so mad before, and people are today, that they curse and slander and gossip. and post on social media their anger towards sometimes their own brothers and sisters in Christ. But maybe against another business. Maybe it's against another, another uh, person or, or group of people or, or a company or, or whatever the case may be. I'm so angry that I could what? 
just go look on YouTube. There's a lot of a lot of videos about angry people on there. Notice what Christians are fighting about now. These are people in the Lord's church. This morning I ask you for the next 15 minutes that we have. What about your anger? Everybody has it. If you don't, you say line. I say line. Everybody has anger at some point. But what about your anger? How are you and I behaving when we get angry? Is it affecting your relationship with your spouse in your home? Is it affecting your relationship with your children? Is it affecting your relationship with your boss? Your co-workers, we, our students as we teach. <laughs> Is it affecting, number one, your relationship with God? You see, anger is an emotion that is shown all the way through the Bible. God demonstrates it throughout the Bible. Oh, we're familiar with when Christ went into the temple, aren't we? John chapter 2, I guess that's one of the most famous uh, verses there are. When he cleansed the temple. In John 2, verses 13 through 17. Jesus had righteous indignation. Remember I told you a while ago that it's not wrong to be angry. It's not wrong to be angry. Jesus was angry. But he had righteous indignation. He had anger about the right things. Things that we need to be angry about today. He was angry that wicked men had corrupted the purpose of his father's house when he went into the the temple there and cleansed it. He drove the money changers out and the animals. But you know, we should be angry They've legalized homosexuality, marriage. We should be angry when we see Christians who are are, are living in such a way that's not according to the way of God. We should be angry when we see people who we know are living together. You know, that's a new thing today. Young people, let me tell you something. You do not have to live with a young man or young lady to find out whether you are compatible or not. If he or she does not love God, you're not compatible. If he or she does not attend church with you, they're not compatible. If they're watching things on the internet and they're using words that are whatever and they're, they have another belief and, and they're not going to turn to the true and living God in the right way the Bible talks about, they're not compatible. It's that simple. God never intended for a man and woman to live together to figure out whether you're compatible or not. 
He put a lot of things that were in the pre part of that, in the dating part, to figure out whether you're compatible. But that's the new thing. Let's live together and see if we can make it work. I see post after post on Facebook says, our first Christmas as a family. But they've been living together for six years, or 10 years, or 20 years. Our first whatever as a family. God never intended for that to happen that way. He intended for a man and woman to marry in holy matrimony in his sight and his approval. That's what he meant. We should be angry at those things. We should be angry that over 100 million babies are aborted each year. We should be angry about that. But when it comes to this anger, God showed it all through the Bible. <clears throat> that righteous indignation is appropriate when we notice the promotion of sin and wickedness, anything against God. Anger can lead us to sin. You go back to Ephesians chapter 4 and 26 and 27. It was uncontrolled anger. Now, hear that word. Uncontrolled anger. It's okay to be angry, but uncontrolled anger and hatred led Cain to kill and murder his brother Abel. It led for Saul to go after David. It led those people to stone Stephen. And it's leading me and you today to, to be against our brethren, to be against our spouses. And we should be angry that over 50% 50, over 50 of marriages are ending in divorce. Do you know why? Because in Ephesians 4 there, Paul warns and he says, don't give the devil a stronghold. Don't give him a foothold. If you're angry and you're sin, he's waiting at your door. Just waiting to pounce. That uncontrolled anger can lead us to hurt others. Our Lord on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. He talks about angry with those who are, are your brother, though those people who are, are special to you. Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> 21, starting in 21. You have heard it said by them old times, I shall not kill, and whosoever shall kill be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, 
shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Then he goes on in 23, Therefore if thou bring thy gift to the altar, therefore if you come to worship, there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. He says, leave it. He said, don't you come to worship with that. Go fix it with your brother. It's not saying if they, if they uh, initiate it, if they're willing to say they're wrong first, he says, go fix it with your brother. Be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. You see, if anger is not properly dealt with, it can lead us to hurt others. You see, angel is a big deal. The devil will use your anger to destroy you. He will. He will destroy you, and then he will destroy your family, and then he will destroy people around you. He will destroy the church. And there's all sorts of realms of anger. It can allow the devil to work in our lives. Verse 27. Anger can lead us to cursing, to calling people people names, physically hurting people, blasting people on social media. Anger is the root. So for the next seven minutes, how do we rise above anger? How do we become better with anger? We need to deal with it quickly. When we have anger in our lives, we need to deal with it quickly. We don't need to let anger towards another fester and boil over in our hearts. Ephesians 4, 26. We need to be willing to be open to talk and initiate reconciliation. Matthew 5, back to Matthew 5. Failing can do this, failing to do this can negatively impact our worship to God. You see, it's not good enough for us to come in here and say, well, I was angry at my brother, but I didn't murder him. I didn't kill him. I avoided him at all costs. But I didn't kill him. See, it's not good enough. It's not good enough to say, come in and say, ah, I, I, I spoke to him. That's all I was going to do, though. And see, not only does this apply in the Lord's church, it applies in our families. There are family members right now who have not spoken to each other in years. There are brothers and sisters in the Christ who have not spoken to each other in years because of anger. And the Lord says you're in danger of what? Hell. You're in danger of hell. If those things are unrepented of and not fixed and reconciled, you're in danger of hell. I don't care whether you think you're right or not. The scripture we read in Matthew 5 a while ago wasn't the one who done the offending. It was the one who was offended. He said, you go to take care of it. Even though your brother didn't initiate it, you go initiate it. 
That's the responsibility we have as a Christian. You see, we need to deal with it quickly. When it comes to our spouses, y'all heard me say this before, and we are angry when when she says something or he says something that just boils your blood, that you could spit nails, you could pinch his head off, you could run through a wall, you could run over him with a car. Some women's tried to do that before. Years ago, some 20-something years ago, I had a good friend of mine. He hadn't been married very long. He was living down in South Auburn, going to school at Auburn. He and his wife had married. He said, can you meet me at my mom and daddy's house? I said, sure. What's going on? He said, I'm on my way home from school. He said, my wife tried to run over me with a car. I said, what? That's a true story. <laughs> but you know what? They've been married 25 years. Because you know why? We dealt with it quickly. We dealt with it quickly. Got three or four children now. One of the best marriages you'd ever see. But they dealt with it quickly. But I'm going to tell you, when you, your spouse says those things and does those things, you need to deal with it quickly. You don't need to go to bed. Let me give you some good advice. Young folks and young married folks, do never go, never go to bed mad at your spouse. Don't go sleep on it. Don't put it off. Because I can promise you, within days, weeks, and months, it will come back a bigger monster than it was the first time it happened. And don't you be that spouse that says, oh, I won't talk to you. I'm sleeping on the couch. Or I'm sleeping in whatever, the camper, or in my truck. Don't you be that spouse. You be that spouse that's open and willing to sit down and talk to your God-given spouse. And you work it out with them. You won't know why marriages aren't are ending over 50% or ending in divorce because we don't know how to talk to one another no more and how to work out things. That's what not God, God did not intend for that to happen that way. We need to deal with it quickly. Secondly, we need to acquire some humility. Dealing with anger, you've got to have humility. We need to put off the products of anger and put on the qualities of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32. Remember what it said to us? Yeah. We need some humility. We need to humble ourselves. Be the one to say, I'm sorry at the first. Even if you think you're right. You see, that's what all those fuss is about. I'm right, you're wrong. It's my way or the highway. Don't be that spouse. Do not be. God did not intend for you to be that way. He says, let all bitterness and wrath be put away. Evil speaking. Malice. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearting. Forgiving. Loving. Because, guess what? God forgave you. 
We need to remember that we also, we all have made mistakes like the people who anger us. You think about that. You know, I can always tell how a parent <clears throat> deals with a child at home, at school, from when they drop something or make a mistake because that child well, a lot of them will automatically go, I did not mean to do that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Now, remorse is good. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of times I can tell because a parent will just pounce on that kid. You know, that's one thing I had to work on when I was younger as a parent. We built a new home. We had new carpet, new floor, and this, that, and other, and new walls and everything. There's holes in those walls now from our children that I wouldn't take $50,000 for because it's a memory that we laugh about now. But in the time, I was ready to pounce, or I did pounce. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful as a parent to say, okay, to our children that it's okay. Now, it's not good that you tear up things because you're going to pay for them. Just ask my children. But... It's okay. It can be fixed. Third thing, we need to think about God. We need to understand that what we decide to do in our angry moments affect God. Verse 30. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. What we say, what we do, grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit... When we reject the revealed teachings that he has given us about controlling our anger, we grieve him. When we don't produce the fruit of the spirit of self-control, we grieve him. Saying things to our spouses, our brethren, and sisters in Christ, young people, your teachers at school, things you say to your teachers at school, things you post on social media, grieve God. Anything against God grieves Him. Let me ask you, though, as we close this sermon, how often do you think about grieving God? Things you say, do, act, where, places you go, things you post. How often do we think about, boy, I really, really hate that I grieved God. That grieving means caused him hurt. Every time a person reveal or takes and rejects the gospel, the invitation, when a person continues to put off becoming a Christian, when you know the truth, it grieves God. When a person has sin and needs to repent and fails to do that and holds on to that pride and that anger and all those things that they've said and done in that moment, it grieves God. And Jesus says you're in danger of hell. He said, he doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to do everything you can to go to heaven. Goes back to Wednesday night. 
until I love God more than I'll never change. I'll never become a Christian until I love God more than whatever's keeping me from making that decision or repentance, whatever's holding you back. You'll never love God the way He wants you to do and the way He loves you until you remove that. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand as we sing.